right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, your daily home for Florida Gators coverage and, of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Zach Goodall. You can throw me a follow on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall, as well as my co-host, Demetrius Harvey. You can find him over at Demetrius82. Demetrius, as always, say what's up to the people. What's up, everyone? I hope you enjoyed yesterday's episode of the Locked On Gators podcast. I know we talked about a lot. We had a discussion about how the Gators are going to be traveling. We had a bunch of discussions about the Senior Bowl, and we might get into a little bit of that today again. Uh, just hope that you guys are sticking around with us. And if you haven't listened to that episode, go ahead and go on iTunes or Spotify or Google Play or whatever else they have these days and, and give it a listen. Yeah, if you haven't listened over this past week, then you wouldn't be aware. Maybe you would be, but Florida's had now what? I guess they're up to five Senior Bowl accepted invites. It matches last year. Uh, And last year it took up until the day before the Senior Bowl kicked off for them to get up to five. And they're at five now. Might get up to seven. We're going to talk a little bit more about who the latest to accept an invite is, as well as exactly what's going on with them on the team right now. Uh, In the second half of the show, we'll be getting onto the defensive side of the ball, talking about the linebacker position, uh, what we could expect there with James Houston uh, being questionable again this week, and exactly what we'll want to see out of that particular group against a team like Vanderbilt. And then the third, we'll be giving a final preview and projection of the show. It'll be me, it'll be Demetrius, and it'll also be Jackie Francioli, who is a part of WCJB20 in Gainesville. She's been with us a couple times now. Uh, regular guest here on Locked On Gators. Jackie, uh, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm trying to get motivated for Saturday. Yeah, that, uh, that makes three of us, right? <laughs> Just yeah. a little bit. It'll, it'll be a fun one to be writing our recap at, at halftime. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just uh, excited to see some young guys step up. Yeah, I'm sure especially we'll be getting into that um, in the second segment. But right now we'll go to an old guy being the latest to accept an invite to the Senior Bowl in wide receiver Kadarius Toney. He's someone that, of course, we, I think we all expected him to end up getting this invitation considering what he's shown out this year. So, Demetrius, that makes it five. We've got Jeremiah Moon. We've got Sean Davis, Trayvon Grimes. Kyle Trask, and now Kadarius Toney. And, I mean, what do you think teams will want to see the most out of him at the Senior Bowl? I mean, pretty much they're going to want to see exactly what he's shown this year. He's showing the whole nation. He can play wide receiver. Over the first, you know, three years of his career, he was more of a gadget player. He was maybe a scat back kind of type guy. He was somebody who wasn't going to get too many receptions in terms of you know, production. He wasn't a, a wide receiver, but this year he's looked exactly like a wide receiver. So I think that what they're going to want to look at, especially when NFL scouts see him, is just how he gets off the line, how fast he is, you know, how, how his route running has developed over the, for the last four years, and just in terms of what he kind of can do well. You know, there's a lot of things that NFL coaches look for in a wide receiver, and obviously they need good hands. They need to run good routes. They need to be smooth out of their transitions. They need to be able to beat press man. And I think that that's one of the most important parts of what he's going to have to provide, especially given his size. I know he's not a super, super small receiver, but he's still small considering what else you know Florida has and, and sort of the type of mold of the receivers that we've seen in today's NFL and going into college these days. So it's just going to be interesting to see what they can get out of him. And I think that they're going to enjoy him. He's been – incredible this year like you said he's he's just been 
probably one of their stars on the season. 36 receptions, 396 yards, six touchdowns. He's just been electric. So I think that they're just going to want to see what he can provide and what he's already shown that he can provide, but a little bit more too. Now, the the, the thing is, is since Kyle Pitts has gone out and, and we've seen it, obviously Kyle Pitts has gone in and out throughout the year, and now he's definitely out for a little bit with his concussion and no surgery. But ever since then, we've seen teams, they have started to focus in a little bit more on KT. As Brian Johnson said, he's still getting his catches, but Jackie, mm-hmm. we're not seeing exactly what we saw over the first four games of the season at least. And with that, you'd figure maybe that could be a little bit of a concern for these NFL scouts that I'm sure through the first four games were thinking, okay, this guy might have been undrafted a year ago, and now you you start to consider him maybe even on day two. Um, I don't th- – yeah, I can see where some NFL scouts might be put off with his production going down. But then if you look at film and you look what, again, you you see, okay, Kyle Pitts is not there. So obviously you're going to hone in on the second best player as a second mismatch. And that'll be Kadarius Tony Because although he doesn't have the size of mismatch, the guy has legs that can certainly do magical things like go on and stay inside the field for some miracle and get you a <laughs> touchdown um, or do matrix legs moves to avoid a tackle. Um, so I think Kadarius Tony's film this year alone will get some eyes on him. Um, don't forget, like, I think he's got more receptions in these games in 2020 than he did in his entire Florida career. Um, the guy is averaging 66 yards per game. Um, that, that's a really, for a, for a guy who has to share the ball with so many talented receivers, just remember they've had, they had 10 guys get receptions last game. So in Florida's offense, you're never going to have one guy get huge numbers. So to see Kadarius Tony get these big numbers in this first couple of games is, you know, a pretty big deal for NFL scouts to see that. Plus, he's just athletic. So that's what the NFL scouts are going to see. This is a very athletic guy who's improved so much on his route running. Um, he's night and day from what the guy was, you know, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I still remember watching him, and I believe, like, seeing Dan Mullen frustrated in the press conference because he just – Dan Mullen's the type of coach that likes things like he, how he likes it. You know, he likes to control things. Um, he's gotten a little bit better not being a micromanager. He's allowed to, you know, delegate a few things, which is what we've seen with Brian Johnson, for instance, calling some plays. But he still likes things to follow the script. And Kadarius Tony was never a script player. Um, I remember last year there was one time where um, – not last year, I think it was two years ago, actually, when um, Felipe Franks ended up having to block for Kadarius Tony because – Tony just went wild and didn't follow his blockers. Um, so that was frustrating for Mullen. Now this Tony is very different. This Tony is showing that he is coachable. This Tony is showing that he can learn and develop, which is probably what the NFL scouts are liking to see better. So I think Kadarius Tony is making a lot of money this, this year with what he's be able to perform. And I don't think having such a lower production now is going to affect him as much because of what he's been able to show. He's been able to show a trajectory of getting better and better and showing that he is coachable, something he didn't show last year or the year before because he was still doing some of the things that were showing mistakes, like you know not following your blockers or not running the route that he should. This year, he looks like more like a disciplined receiver, which is probably going to attract the attention of NFL teams more. And you'd certainly think that the Pitts effect, where he does take away matchups to open up things, uh, is something that could catch the eyes of scouts as well. And Demetrius, you wrote about that. Uh, on Thursday morning uh, that teams are starting to focus more on him and now that will open up things for other guys as well absolutely I mean you saw it in the Arkansas contest they 
pretty much took away the middle of the field. They didn't necessarily have to without Kyle Pitts, but I think that they saw Kadarius Tony as just as much of a threat or at least a legitimate threat enough to game plan around him. And Brian Johnson even said it, you know, if you, you have a guy that you need to game plan around, it just goes to show that they're watching tape and they know exactly what they need to do. And they need to shut down Kadarius Tony in order to help out their defense. Now, it didn't end up working because the Gators' offense, like we've been talking about over and over again, they have tons and tons of weapons. You see Trayvon Grimes get in with a big day. You see Justin Shorter get in on the fun. You see uh, Xavier Henderson even getting a reception downfield. There's plenty of guys in the, on this offense where you don't necessarily need to rely on one player. And we saw that throughout the season. They, they did throw to Kyle Pitts plenty, but they had plenty of other options as well. And so now we're seeing it again just with Kadarius Toney. It's kind of a next man up mentality. And if Kadarius Tony goes down, perhaps they start isolating Trayvon Grimes, but then you have other guys in there. So it's just an interesting dynamic. And I think that it just goes to show how versatile that this Florida Gators offense is. And it's sort of exactly what Dan Mullen wants to see and Brian Johnson wants to see and what they can provide on a down in, down out basis. Uh, I think that going into the next few weeks, we're going to see that again. And I don't necessarily think that Florida is going to struggle just because one guy's out or another guy is getting a lot more attention. Yeah, I guess any time that we think that that could happen, we literally just point back to this past week. You take out a first-round caliber player and you score the most points you have all season. That's a good shut-you-up answer. <laughs> anyway, when we, uh, when we come back, we're going to stick on the next, uh, next man up mentality with the possibility of James Houston potentially not playing at linebacker this weekend. What can we look forward to as well as there's one player in particular that we've been pleased. We've started to see him come around a little bit more at linebacker. So perhaps this is the week where he really steps up. Talk about him more after this quick break. What's up, everybody? This is Zach Goodall, host of the Locked On Gators podcast. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Whether it's work, friends, family, a million pressing social issues or just an expectation in general to be on 24-7. Sometimes you need to just take a moment, turn off, hit reset. You need to chill. And that's when you reach for a Coors Light. Especially on game days, man. I'll tell you what, I can't really drink much during college football Saturdays, but on NFL Sundays, it's therapeutic for me, man, to sit down, drink a beer, and enjoy some football. And that's what I do. I'll reach for a Coors Light. It's the official beer of watching any sport just to drink beer. It's mountain cold refreshment that's literally made to chill. It's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. Coors Light is the beer I choose when I need to unwind. So when you need to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. That's get.coorslight.com to get Coors Light delivered straight to your door. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. So this would mark uh, another game where James Houston uh, would be unavailable should he be unable to go. Uh, Dan Mullen said for undisclosed reasons uh, earlier this week that he would be questionable. So, again, you've got Ventrell Miller at middle linebacker. Uh, he's, he's sound, and he's a guy that you could trust there. But otherwise, it's been kind of a revolving door, whether it's Amari Birdie coming in or James Houston or whether it's Mahmoud Diabate. Those three guys have all kind of rotated at that position. And Demetrius, we did get to talk to Mahmoud a little bit earlier in the week. 
just about his progression, getting more used to playing off the ball compared to the rush end position that he did a lot more. Granted, last year against Vanderbilt, that this that was his big game. He was doing a lot of mm-hmm. he was playing kind of everywhere within that game, but he made his presence known as an edge rusher. So perhaps if Houston's a no go, this is once again his game. Right, exactly. And and you you mentioned that Vanderbilt game last year. You know, he had three sacks and a forced fumble. That was most of his production from last year's season. I mean, he had four sacks total, I believe, on the year, a half a sack each, and a couple games spread out. And this year coming in, I I personally expected him to kind of take on that role where he was going to be that next buck rusher. Now, I know he's not he doesn't have the size exactly of a Grenard or, or anybody or Cox or, or a moon. He's not that kind of player, but at least an edge role in terms of rushing the passer. But the Gators have kind of taken a step differently and they, 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 they've liked his versatility for a long time. Christian Robinson talked about it during, I think it was a September press conference where pretty much he, he loves, he said specifically that he's a blessing to have in the linebacker room because of the versatility that he gives. And, I think that it's it's kind of shown a little bit this year in terms of Todd Grantham's defense and how he's being used as an off-ball linebacker. Now, as an off-ball linebacker, he's going to have to cover more space, and that's kind of what he talked about in his press conference. He said, you know, that's pretty much what I needed to learn because he, he had never done it before. He, he didn't really understand exactly how to do it. That's the biggest or the steepest learning curve for him. But we've seen him excel in, in a few parts. He has four and a half tackles for a loss. That was more than last season. And he's just been able to run around. And if you can have a guy that that's that 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 is that versatile and has that much speed, and that's kind of what Todd Grantham and Christian Robinson and, and all the Gators defensive coaches are looking for now in linebackers, it it, it just brings you a lot more uh, sideline to sideline people. You can cover more ground. You can cover these extremely athletic tight ends. You can cover these extremely versatile and dynamic running backs that are coming out of these college football backfields nowadays. And I think that he's going to be a guy that this year, especially now that Houston uh, is is questionable, I think, or or is out this week or whatever the case may be. Now he's going to be able to step in into that role where we can see him maybe play a lot more snaps. Now, last year it was his game coming out and having such a big week as a you know, he, he was still playing the rush end, although we did see some versatility from him in that game. In fact, I believe he even took snaps at star in that game. Now, mm. that was his true freshman season against Vanderbilt. Jackie, what about another true freshman against Vanderbilt that is a former edge rusher turned off ball linebacker? That being Derek Wingo. I, I talk about him a lot as a guy that I really respected as a prospect, but... I guess he, he's also in a position where he could keep the trend going if he's able to start taking the field a little more. For sure. Um, I actually have two guys that I, I really want to see on the field, and I, I started making a campaign of putting them both against Arkansas. Derek Wingo was one. I think he's just such an athletic guy, and he mm-hmm. proved himself a very good leader out of high school. So, and when you're playing, you know, a linebacker, you want, especially in, you know, Grantham's system, you, you want to have a very good vocal guy at linebacker. And when you're facing a team like Vanderbilt, they've done a good job on the ground. Um, that's one thing that they've improved a lot on. Um, I think their starting running back is still doubtful. But again, when your team struggles to stop the run, you your eyes are always going to your linebacker room. And I think Derek Wingo is very athletic. He's He's got great instincts. Um, and, and it's actually been a little shocking to me that we haven't seen him more. 
um even having a couple reps here and there because generally todd grantham and dan mullen are generally pretty good about putting young guys in there to get reps or at least a couple reps here and there we saw that again with mamu diabate last year and even um bogle at times last year so um but the other guy that i i feel like no one talks about is tyron hopper um he's one he's very athletic a lot um, of internet providers in special teams you know last year but he's such an athletic guy that I think he's the perfect fit for the money spot, in my opinion. Um, and I don't know. I, I feel like Hopper is one that is going to be a guy that we're going to talk about a lot more next year. But when, you know, they're down with so many guys at linebacker, I want to, we saw Hopper a little bit against Arkansas. And I was thinking like, this is why I've been wanting to see Hopper. Um, so I think although, Derek Wingle, for sure, he's, you know, he's a freshman out of, you know, his class that I was like, he could be an instant impact guy if they wanted him to. I, I think I still want to see Tyron Hopper a little bit more. Yeah, I do too. And there were moments where he's dropped into coverage throughout the year. And, and granted, he is coming in later in games, but he's been able to come in and show off the exact instincts that we saw of him when he was playing safety. And, and that's exactly. something that we've talked about before that, Grantham's defense does tend to miss. And it was actually something I mentioned in, I believe, the last pod. Like with Ventrell Miller, he makes plays on the ball and he's more athletic in coverage than David Reese ever was. However, mm-hmm. like while he's able to break up a pass, perhaps, he, he doesn't go, if it's going sideline to sideline, he still ends up being a step behind. He, he's not going to intercept the pass that he should, but he's still going to break it up. Tyron yeah. Hopper is going to jump probably three feet in the air and. and just beautifully contest a pass because that's what he is capable of. And we know yes. that Derek is a similarly gifted athlete in his own way. Maybe it's, maybe it is in a similar role to what they do with the Abate, or maybe it's like kind of like with Voshan Joseph. And I got to watch him as he left here, but I remember him being such a good blitzer and a guy that could shoot gaps so well, especially against Vanderbilt. That's something that I'd love to see Derek doing. Yeah, no, no, I completely, completely agree with you. I think, I think when you look at this game against Vanderbilt, no disrespect to Vanderbilt, um, <laughs> but. but I think, but <laughs> I think when you're, but when you, I think you're Florida, and you're in this position where you're on the road, you know, you you've had a situation where you've already been down a few players, so you're like, okay, we still have games left in the season, and we're still eyeing a postseason play. Let us give us some of these young guys some reps now against SEC competition because you don't know what's going to happen in 2020. Um, you might need these guys, you know, maybe in Atlanta. Um, so let's give up, let's give these reps now. And then also, you're, you're going to lose a lot. I know this is way far ahead from here, but you're going to lose a lot of talent for 2021. Like, we figured this Florida team in 2020, back in January, we figured they were going to be good. This is the reason why we've been hyping this team up in the offseason. This is the reason why, like, throughout this whole thing with COVID-19, we were like, this is a shame that if the season got canceled, because this probably would have been the year for Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's looking like it just because of all the stuff that they returned. Um, but 2021, these, this is the group. This is, this is the group that's coming in, and they need some experience. If not, 2021 could be you know, a, a lot of growing pains, depending yeah. on how things will go. So that's why this game is so important for them, to see the Derek Wingos, to see the Tyron Hoppers. Are you suggesting they, they rest their starters uh, against Vanderbilt? Because, I mean, I'm, I might be in. <laughs> I, 
I, I don't think you rest all your starters, but I think I think at least some guys need some reps. Maybe, you know, after the first second quarter, maybe just, you know, mm-hmm. ease those guys in a little bit. And I think, yeah, no, like I, you I, said, it's especially important to get the guys young reps for moving forward because, like we were saying with the Senior Bowl, having five guys invited mid-November when they mm-hmm. sent five last year, like, you can absolutely make a case for TJ Slayton. You can make yes. a case for Stone Forsyth. You can probably mm-hmm. make a case for other people as well. Exactly. Yeah, there is so much senior talent that unless they, uh, by a miracle, they're able to, Demetrius, you make the joke, get Rick Wells back for his sixth year. Uh, get him the, back. <laughs> with, with, the, with the blanket waivers and the eligibility extensions possibly working for guys, you, you look at it as, like you said, it could be depleted. Yeah, it, it could very well. It, it really can, and, and, and you hit it on the, on the nose, Jackie, with, with the, the way that this is shaping out, from, even from an outsider's perspective last season where I, I wasn't covering the Gators, but just following along with the storylines, this seemed to be the year. You know, I, Even when we were talking about the Georgia game, we were saying if Dan Mullen doesn't beat Georgia this year, it, it, it won't matter. Like This is it. This is the year he has to beat Georgia, and it's because what you're talking about, these guys have developed – they finally have the, the – they're in the year three of the Dan Mullen era. It's time for them to actually get to where they need to be, which is the SC championship game, perhaps further if they need to. And I think that this is definitely the game where you need to see what you've got for your future. And if you're going to – against Vanderbilt, I mean, I'm not trying to say that they're not a team exactly. It's just they haven't played well all season. So I can't imagine how it, – it just it just wouldn't make sense. So – after a few quarters, maybe the first, second quarter, however it may go, just go ahead and put in those young guys and, and see what you've got. You've got to predict the future some at some point. Whether it's the starters, whether it's the young guys, when we come back from this quick break, we're going to be putting our final projections on exactly what this game could end up looking like. Right now we've got a spread of 31.5 points. Uh, I think we're all going to bet on Florida covering that, but we'll see after this quick break. You know, I've been trying to get back in the gym recently, but I just couldn't figure out what to do after. Sure, I can just make a protein shake, but that's annoying. It doesn't always taste good and it can be time-consuming. That's why I've started to eat Build Bars right after my workout. Not only do they taste amazing, but they are incredibly healthy with 19 grams of protein in the peanut butter flavor. I can't go wrong. Now, I'm not a keto guy myself, but it's a low-calorie, low-sugar profile that makes it easier for any of you out there that are. Right now, you can go to buildbar.com and use the promo code locked on and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code locked on for 20% off at buildbar.com. All right, Demetrius, I will throw it to you. Florida's favored 31.5 over under of 68. Last year Florida won 56 to 0. They got off to a bit of a slow start with 14 first half points. Um, like I was saying a little earlier in the week, I think it should be the opposite this year. In fact, I think there is no excuse for it to not be the opposite. But what are you thinking? How does this one, how does one, how does it get started and, uh, how does it finish? Yep. So, I mean, I just have a feeling, you know, Florida's just going to go in and, and have a goose egg. You know, they're not going to, they're not going to really score much and, and, you know, they might come out with a loss, you know, a terrible loss event. No, I'm just kidding. But it, it, it's, it's obviously a game where, where you have to you have to go in thinking – you have to go in with, with the mentality of you need to beat this team still. They're, this this 
you can't go in thinking, oh, this is going to be a cupcake, because that's when you actually do get shocked. And I'm not saying that this is going to happen to Florida. I don't think it's going to happen to Florida at all. I think that they're going to go in, they're going to get their business done, and I actually have them winning uh, by this by more than last year. They won 56 to zero, but I have them winning 70 to seven. And I understand that 70 points is incredible and outrageous to say, but just go look back at what this offense is able to do. If last year's offense could score 56 points in my opinion this year's offense should at least score two touchdowns more than that and that and it's just plain and simple there it Vanderbilt is not scoring very much at all I think they've scored only nine passing touchdowns they've scored maybe nine rushing touchdowns I, I feel like Florida has scored at least 18 passing touchdowns in the past few games you know so it's just an interesting dynamic it's a completely opposite direction in terms of teams and i i think that absolutely ford is going to go in there take care of business and get on to kentucky demetrius i i think what totally validates your point is if anyone were to argue with you on that just say kyle trask has thrown six touchdowns like on his own at this point (laughs) like like if if you think that he can't if you don't think it's twice throughout the year, you don't. If you don't think mm. that he could easily top that against Vanderbilt on his own, like I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Six t- six touchdowns last week got them to sixty three. They could very easily get more touchdowns from him and a total of seventy points this week. It's not far fetched at all. Uh, Jackie, what about you? Where, where are you feeling here? Uh, yeah, I, I have them scoring over sixty points in this game too. Um, and you know. Come on, does the, like Vanderbilt, like no disrespect, but they also have a true freshman quarterback in Mike Wright, and he's going to face off against Zach Carter. Um, you, you've got Brenton Cox. You've got, you know, Kyrie Campbell. Those guys are, you know, he's going to have a pass rush coming at him. He's going to have those guys coming at him, those big guys coming at him. He's going to – I know he had a really good game against Kentucky. Um, he had, I believe, one passing touchdown in the red zone and one running touchdown in the red zone. I think that was uh, I, I, from talking to people at Vanderbilt. They showed improvement, um, and is, so kudos to them. But I think they're I think Florida just has too much stuff. Like although they have problems in their defense that they need to work on moving forward um, to face competitions like Alabama, I don't think this is a problem against Vanderbilt. Um, I think Florida can completely stop the Vanderbilt offense. I think they think Vanderbilt has no chance of fighting the Florida offense. So I'm having them win around 62 by 7, 62-7, 62-10. And the reason why I'm even giving Vanderbilt 7 or 10 points is what I said earlier was I think Florida is going to be able to move in with their younger talent. So when you put guys with younger talent, I'm, I'm going to say they're going to make mistakes here and there. I'm also expecting them to play Anthony Richardson and possibly Emory Jones a little bit more. Um, especially with a guy like Anthony Richardson, you know, I, I, he will have a mistake here and there. So um, that, that's why I'm giving Vanderbilt a couple points here because I think Florida will be able to put some younger guys there to get reps. Again, no disrespect to Vandy. Um, I think this is what if I w- if I were Demo, this is what I would be, you know, going into this game for. Be like, okay, hopefully I can take Kyle Trask at the halftime and not have him come back. That that's that's what my mentality would be if I was a head coach. I'd be like, let's get let's get Kyle Trask um, in there in the first two quarters. Let's get him have his numbers, and then maybe the beginning of the third quarter, halfway through the third quarter, just you know, put in Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson. Yeah, I'm. I might even approach it with the safe bet since you're in the 60s and Demetrius is getting up there to 70. I'm. I will keep it just a hair below that at like 59 to three. 
just to, just to be safe. And maybe I'll keep it with the idea that, like I've said throughout the week, I don't think this team has anything left to prove. I don't think they have any reason to be risking injuries to where, you know, they're putting up, say it's 38-0 at halftime, and, they, and they've done another 38-point first uh, half, which they've shown they can do throughout the year. Why is Kyle Trask coming out with his helmet in the second half at that point even? At that point, when, when you've got Emery specifically, at least you have him healthy at this point where you understand he can probably get the job done the entire second half. You have the intrigue of Richardson as well. I don't, I don't even take any more risks like that if I'm a coach. Even if it gets Dan in a little bit of trouble with the fans and media for being conservative in the second half, I, I, again, they have, they've got nothing to prove at this point. Let's go 59-3 to just because I'm going to be conservative here. 59 to 3. That is a little conservative there. I mean, hey. <laughs> Isn't that weird? <laughs> Isn't that funny? 59 to 3, and I feel conservative. That's... Oh, my goodness. I mean, I, I get it, though, because it is going you never to be know. an extreme like... disappointment if they don't. Right. And, and oh, if, if, if they don't blow them out in terms of, you know, they got 63 points against Arkansas last week. If they don't get at least 50, I feel like fans will definitely be disappointed. And they might have a right, but it really it really does depend on it really does depend if they if they play the freshman because I think Jackie made a great point in that if if the freshmen are playing in the second half and most of the second half they're going to make mistakes they're they're not going to be perfect players you know they are going to be better potentially than what Vanderbilt's putting out there even as as their starters but it, it's not going to be a, 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 a you know just a juggernaut offense anymore it's going to be kind of subdued a little bit. So mm-hmm. I guess we'll just have to find out and see what Anthony Richardson has to do. And I'm actually really excited to even see him play because we haven't really seen much of him at all. We saw him a little bit at the end of that Arkansas game, but that doesn't really count. Uh, we've seen him run a couple of times, so I'm excited to see him throw and see what he's got. Yeah, do you, you, you say that, and Jackie, you do too, about the mistakes. And I guess I run with it with the idea of a conservative score, but even just thinking of Vanderbilt's starting defense against Emory slash Anthony... Naquan Wright, Xavier Henderson, who's getting like 30 or 40 snaps a game as a freshman. Uh, Jonathan Odom's come in and blocked well. And, like an all-freshman team and Keon Zipperer coming in, either sophomore or redshirt freshman and being as productive as he is. Uh, and y- other young receivers and what they have there. Even Josh Braun and if Ethan White is ready to play at this point, two very young guards. Like, you're going all extremely young, and yet you're still relatively confident, I think, in that squad at that point. So, yeah, there there should be pitchforks if, if this isn't a total blowout. <laughs> uh, sorry, Vanderbilt. I really don't mean to be rude. <laughs> anyway, I think that uh, – oh, go ahead. It's just really crazy to say, obviously, you know, to say, oh, if they don't score at least 50, people are going to be mad. But that's just kind of what the expectations that – Florida has said what Dan Mullen has said and what Kyle Trask has said this season with his Heisman campaign uh, just breaking out this year. So it, it really is crazy to say, but 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 it's the truth. I mean, if they don't score a certain amount of points, people are going to be upset. Yeah, I guess we'll uh, I guess we'll just find out right after the game. We'll be I'm sure we'll be talking to you guys maybe even before then, but if not, we'll be here to recap the game right after. That should just about do it today for today's episode of Lockdown Gators. Uh, of course, you can go and follow me at Zach underscore Goodall on Twitter, as well as my co-host Demetrius. You can find him at Demetrius82, and you can find Jackie at JackieFran underscore. 
And of course, if you haven't already, make sure to go and subscribe and listen and uh, rate and review on iTunes. And you can listen to the Lockdown Gators podcast really just about anywhere that you can listen to podcasts. So make sure to go and subscribe and we will catch up with you guys next time.